third candle of Advent. This is the candle of love. And Jesus demonstrated self-giving love in his ministry as the Good Shepherd. Advent is a time for kindness, thinking of others, and sharing with others. It is a time to love as God loved us when he gave us his most precious gift. As God is love, let us be love also. And in the book of Deuteronomy, we find these words. For the Lord your God is God of gods and Lord of lords, the great God, mighty and awesome, who is not partial and takes no bribe, who executes justice for the orphan and the widow, and who loves the strangers, providing them food and clothing. And you shall also love the stranger, for you were strangers in the land of Egypt. From Deuteronomy. From the Gospel of John, we hear, I give you a new commandment, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You should also love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Please pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, teach us to love, O Lord. May we always remember to put you first as we follow in Christ's footsteps, that we may know your love and show it in our lives as we prepare for the celebration of Jesus' birth. Also fill our hearts with love for the world, that all may know your love and the one whom you sent, your Son, our Savior. Amen. Okay. Um, well, like, like Pastor Luke said, my name is Cameron. I'm one of the pastors here at Conduit. Um, we're so glad that you're here with us this morning. We hope that you find uh, this to be a safe, welcoming, Jesus-filled, um, spirit-oriented place to uh, grow in your relationship with God. Uh, we're in uh, Advent. Advent is the period of time and kind of in like the church calendar, so to speak, of preparation for Christmas, right? We're, we're asking the Lord through the ministry of His Word, through the community of faith here, to, to prepare, our, prepare our hearts for the day that we celebrate the coming of Jesus, or the, the first coming of Jesus in Christmas. Um, and then we'll also be asking the Lord to prepare our hearts continually for the second advent of Jesus. Right? The, Jesus came once um, as a little baby. Right? Jesus is coming again as a glorified and resurrected King. And so we, we celebrate and prepare our hearts for both of those realities, both of the ways in which Jesus will come to us. But Advent typically has some themes that it wants to draw our attention to. Uh, we've talked about some of, uh, two of those already. We've talked about joy, this inner, um, this, uh, an inner dis- disposition that is apart from circumstances. We've talked about hope, um, <clears throat> which is a, a forward-looking um, confidence in the promises and character of God despite our circumstances, right? And today, uh, we're going to talk about the third, uh, the third theme of Advent, which is love. Now, um, I want you to prepare yourself for this next statement because I don't know if... Um, <clears throat> <we're> gonna <laughs> How do I say this? Um, I sent out the theme to the staff this week, right? And I usually send my sermon notes to Ellen, right, our worship leader, who then prepares all the slides and puts them up. And the very first question um, elicited a somewhat humorous video response from her. Um, and I'm, I'm not exactly sure if it's going to end up up here or not. So just prepare yourself if it is. All right, it's, it's not? 
It's not. Okay, good, good, okay. I, did, I didn't know, right? And so, but I will, if I was just to stand up here and like, let's take away, let's take away all of the um, like um, conservative Christian sensibilities of how we feel that we must respond while we're in church, okay? And I will just, and I want you to just respond almost like reflexively to this question, all right? And just shout it out, right? If I were to say to you, or if I were to ask you the question this morning, what is love? What would you say? Thank you, uh, right? What is love, right? Anytime anyone asks me that question, the very first thing that comes into my mind is the SNL skit, right? Chris Kattan, Will Ferrell, right? They're in the club. What is love? Well, of course, it's baby don't hurt me, right? Um, and if, like, come on, that's funny, right? That's funny. Don't pretend like it's not funny, right? Don't pretend like you didn't say it in your head when I said, what is love, and that you're trying to get the song out of your head right now. I know you are, all right? We can still have fun. Uh, we, can, we can have fun here, right? The Lord, the Lord is the designer of laughter. So um, certainly when you ask that question, right, you will get, just like when you ask the question, what is hope, right? Or what is joy? Or what do we put our confidence in in the midst of life, when you ask the question, what is love, you will get a variety of different answers, right? You could get, you could, because the, the world or culture in general, they does have some ideas of what love is or what they think love is, right? Or their own definition of love. Um, it, it may be, it may sound something like, well, love is the, um, it's the attitude of the heart of accepting people where they're at or for who they are, right? Or maybe, maybe love is something like, it's, it's kind of like universal agreement across the board, right? We're going to agree to love one another even despite maybe whatever differences that we might have. Maybe sometimes love is seen as um, permission to just be, permission to just do, right? Um, maybe love is seen as purely romantic or emotional or having to do with affection. And, and if we're honest with ourselves, we'll, we know that there, there, there are lots of like different kind of tributaries that love can like be defined as, right? In romantic love. And if I tell Pastor Luke that I love him, it's different than the, when I tell my wife that I love her. And like when I tell my kids that I love them, right? Like that love, love is, is different across as many, different, um, as many different areas as you can possibly imagine. Well, Advent is a season or a time, a primary time to both recognize and to celebrate God's love for us. And, and I think that there are some helpful definitions for love um, in God's Word, and so I want to help us maybe... Um, maybe separate or parse away the, some cultural definitions of love, maybe universal acceptance or agreement or permission from um, what, what we believe that, that the Word of God speaks about love comprehensively as being. The fir first and foremost, I think it's important for us to understand that when we're talking about love and when we're talking about any type of love whatsoever is where 
not what is love, but where does love come from? What is the, what is the place of origin of love in general? We're going to do most of our work this morning in the book of First John, right? If you um, have a Bible with you, um, why don't you open it to First John? If you don't have, if you don't have a, uh, your own personal Bible, there are some Bibles in the seats for you there. Um, and if you don't have a Bible but you want one, you can take home the one that's in the seat with you. We have whole all stacks in the back of the sanctuary here. Um, we want to make sure that you have your own personal copy of the Word. Um, write in it, underline it, um, study from it. We want to make sure that you have one. The book of 1 John is, if you're not familiar with it, it's in the back of your Bible. Okay, So if you don't know, um, go to the book of, almost everyone can find Revelation, right? because that's the very last book of your Bible. When you find Revelation, you're going to start turning to your left, right? Turn, turn back into the book. Um, and you're going to come across Revelation and then the book of Jude um, and then 3 John, 2 John, and 1 John. It's all the way in the back. And we're going to be in 1 John chapter 3 and chapter 4 for, for most of our um, time together uh, this morning. But in 1 John chapter 4, verse 7, we see... What, what, what the origin of love is. So if we're going to come up with a definition for how we understand love, if we are going to be people who, who don't rely on the culture or the world's definition for what it means to love, then we have to understand the basis of it comes from God it's, um, Himself. 1 John chapter 4, verse 7, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Um, Obviously, this isn't the only place in Scripture, but it is a very, very, very direct word about the origin of where love comes from. Well, how can we possibly know, you know, you're having a conversation with someone, how can we possibly know what love is? There's so many, there's so many different ideas and understandings about love. And, and while we can we don't necessarily have to get in an argument with a person about what love is and what love isn't, right? It's not exactly always very fruitful, right? You and, you and I, if we desire to follow Jesus, right? If we desire to be people who are obedient to His Word, if we desire to have, um, have fertile soil for the Holy Spirit of God to be changing things in our own lives, we should... We should say, okay, I want to know what it is to love. I want to know what it is to love other people. So I, I'm going to take God's Word for it, right? I'm going to place my faith in the Word that He has given to us. And the Word says that love comes from Him. That love comes from God. That God defines what love is and where it comes from. And, and that, and that we, can't, we can't faithfully get our conception of what love is from a place other than what is revealed in God's Word and in God's character. Right? That if we, are, if we are drawing a conception or a definition of what love is from any other place than God's Word and God's own personal character, then we, we run the risk of mis, mishandling, right? Mishandling... Um, the, the act of love in relationship with each other. Right? If we think that the definition of love is simply based in the willingness to let a person just like, you know, it, the, the classic example, right, is like, well, 
you know, I, I, don't, I don't want to tell my kids no because I love them, right? I want them to know that, that, that they're accepted even in maybe behavior that is, that is like um, uh, very dis- destructive for their own lives. And I'm not going to put any boundaries anywhere in life for them because that would be very unloving, Right? Um, you know, the, that maybe is an extreme example, but it draws the point that right, if we're drawing our definition of what it means to be loving any place other than the character and the Word of God, we run the risk of doing destructive harm both to our own souls but also to the lives of those around us, right? So then what is love, right? If God is the basis and the foundation and the origin of love, then, then what is the definition of it? What is the re- like? How are we, how do we actually see love um, incarnated or exemplified in life around us? Well, the classic definition is the definition that you all hear, or the thing that you all hear at a wedding, right? First Corinthians um, chapter thirteen, right? You, most people have most people have heard it, right? Love is patient, and love is kind. It does not envy, it does not boast, it is not rude, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no records of wrong, right? Love does not delight in evil, but it rejoices in the truth, it always hopes, always trusts, right? It, we all, always perseveres, like love never fails, right? Of all these, these three things remain, uh, faith, hope, and love, but what? The greatest of these is Love, right? And we say, oh, like, what a great example of love between husband and wife, right? Well, yeah, okay, Paul really wasn't talking about romantic love there, right? It was talking about brotherly and sisterly love, right? Like, I should be um, patient and kind and not rude or self-seeking or easily angered with my brothers and my sisters, right? As, a, as an expression of God's love in me. But even that, right, is even those qualities, love is patient, love is kind, all of those things from 1 Corinthians 13. They, they, actually, they actually exist more in, um, as a byproduct of a, the, the more foundational understanding of what love is, right? That when we, when we get a hold of the, the foundation of um, godly biblical love, right? And we understand what it means and how God expressed that love to us, then out of the, the overflow of that is the qualities that we see in 1 Corinthians 13. It's not the beginning of that, it's the overflow. 1 Corinthians 13 is the overflow of what love is defined as comprehensively in Scripture itself, right? It is, it is love that is extrapolated in real life. Okay, uh, and so we're going to talk about um, the ways in which Scripture, and particularly in First John, um, gives us the basis on which love is built. So we're still in First John. If we talk, look at First John, chapter four, verses nine um, and ten. Right, this would be a great. You know, you want to, you want to like, if you want to plant God's word in your heart, right, so that so that it grows. And it produces fruit, right? A great way to plant God's word in your heart so that it, so that you internalize it and that it produces fruit is to memorize scripture, right? And we all think that like memorizing scripture is a thing that we do in Sunday school, 
Right? We, we do give our kids little memory verse cards and we want them to be memorizing Scripture. But listen, um, you know, the, the, real, the, the reality is, is that oftentimes it's very difficult for us to live by the truth because we don't, we don't know it. We have not been exposed to it. We have not, it's not saturated our lives. It has not taken root in the soil of our souls, right? But when you, you begin to fill your mind and you begin to fill your heart and you begin to fill your soul with the, um, with the truth of God's Word, right? It, it, is like the, it is like the light that pushes away the darkness, right? And when the light of God is, is, is firmly planted in your soul, there's, there's very little room for darkness to take hold. And so memor- memorizing Scripture is, is not something just for a child to do. Memorizing Scripture is, is, is something that a follower of Jesus should do who desires to have the Word of God overflow out of them at all times, in all places, no matter what, right? And 1 John chapter 4, verses 9 and 10 is a great, like, it is an awesome Two verses to memorize, right? Write it down on a note card. Put it on your steering wheel. Put it on, tape it to your phone, right? Uh, put it on your fridge, above your sink, whatever you need to do, right? First John chapter 4, verses 9 and 10. Listen to this. This is how God showed His love among us. Alright. We get a clue here that God is going to show His love. It's going to be like a Love 101, professor is God. Right? What is love? This is how God showed His love among us. He sent His one and only Son into the world that we might live through Him. Listen, this is love. Not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Now, listen, we, we could say, okay, well, so is the basis of God's love the, the atonement, right? Or the work of Jesus on the cross that is offered to us for the forgiveness of our sins, right? Is given to us as the, as the pathway or the tool for the forgiveness of our sins. Well, yeah, that may, be the, that may be the act in which it's demonstrated, but there is something even more like deep and foundational than that. Listen, the basis for God's love and the basis for all love is both the willingness and the actual action not just like a, I'm willing in my head and I'm willing in my heart, but the actual action of doing so. The basis for God's love or love in general is the willingness and the action to sacrifice what is important and special to you for the benefit of someone else. Love in its most raw and basic form is selflessness in action. It is the act of being selfless on behalf of or in benefit for or in, in order to bless someone else, right? Let's go back to um, verses 9 and 10 here, all right? 
Look at the way that John talks about love here. He says this. He says, um, this is how God showed his love among us, right? Okay, so it's going to be an, there's something that's showed like it's a verb, right? There's going to be action here. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him, right? So he's like, he's, he's building up an argument here, right? That, that the demonstration of love um, comes so that you and I might have life through Jesus, right? That God is, God is offering to us as a demonstration of his love an active work of an, an active benefit or an active blessing to us that you might have life. God has showed His love among you. He sent His one and only Son in the world that you might have life through Him. Well, what's the sacrifice there? Verse 10, This is love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Okay? We have the benefit of life in Jesus Christ because God in His selfless love has given Jesus up unto death as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. What was important to God in His love for His Son was given up so that you and I may benefit, have blessing, and have life. God demonstrated a selfless, self-emptying love by saying that the love that I have for my son, I will, I will give that up, right? I will give up the, the right to protect my son. I will give up the right for justice for my son. I will give up the very life of my son that, that those receiving him might experience life. What was important to God was given up for us that we may benefit. Now this is not a new idea in 1 John chapter 4. In fact, he talks about it even earlier in 1 John chapter 3, this very same concept that the, that the giving of the life of Jesus was, a, was the ultimate demonstration of God's love. Early in, earlier in, the, uh, in 1 John, in chapter 3, uh, verse 16, this is how we know what love is. Right? This is how we know what love is, John says. Jesus Christ laid down His life for us. It was a laying down, a not, not like the... Listen, I want to believe that I, you know, in becoming, I do believe that through the Holy Spirit of God, I'm becoming more and more like Jesus every day. Right? Like, pursuing the Lord in prayer, I'm reading and studying His Word, I'm in the midst of Christian community, I'm asking the Lord to transform me, I'm, I'm seeking to be more loving through, His, like, through the power of the Spirit and be more patient and kind and not rude and not easily angered and all of those things. I'm, I, I want to be more and more like Jesus every single day. I'm going to be honest with you. Y'all ask me to give up my life for you. I'm going to think about it for a second. Right? <laughs> Because 
You know, it's not just this sense of like, oh, would you die for someone else? Because if we're all honest, we do have, each and every one of us has a little bit, or I'll just speak for myself, each and every one of us has a little bit of like a um, superhero narrative that plays in our mind once in a while. Oh, well, yeah, I would, I would give up my life for anyone. Like, I'd, I would do that. I'd jump in front of that car and push the person out of the way, or I would, you know, like, I'd run into the burning building and pull the person out. You know, like, I, of course I would. You know, like, I think that's, that's really important. And like, and so we, we play these, narr- these grand narratives, like, way up here in our mind, right? And some of us have had experiences where we've been put in situations like that, and we have done it, right? We've showed up in those big moments, right? We have put our life on the line, right? What I find is that it's not moments like that that are really difficult, although that is very difficult, right? Obviously. It's when, it's when people require that I selflessly give up other parts of my life that I would like to hold for myself, right? Like my time. Or like when someone has done something that is really that really makes me angry or mad, right? And um, and and out of like a out of a um, like a bubbling up of self, I want to tell them. I want to tell them off, right? I want to tell them exactly what I want to be rude to them. I want to show no patience, right? I want to take what they've done to me and I want to hold on to it. And I'm going to walk with that and I'm going to keep that record of wrong stuck in my back pocket so whenever I need to, I can pull it back out and I can remember it. Right? And I don't want to be kind to the people that are not kind to me. Because it feels like justice when if someone is unkind to me while I'm out Christmas shopping or when I'm at a restaurant or something like that and like well that waitress isn't doing her job I should have the like I I could be rude in this moment because obviously she's not taking care of me the way that I want to be taken care of so you know like being rude and impatient and unkind is okay in a situation like this right we all have grand narratives of love in the in the big picture where we're the superhero running into the burning building but when someone is rude or not kind, or not gentle to us, right? All of a sudden now, all the superhero narratives of being kind and gentle and patient in those moments are completely out the window, right? I don't need to be loving in those situations. i got to lay down my life in the big ones. No, we have to lay down our lives in the midst where we would rather take it up for the cause of our own justice and emotions. That is the foundation of love that permeates all of our relationships, right? All of our lives, all of our environments, every single place that we are. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. Are you willing to lay down your life for your coworker that makes you really angry? Or the person at the store that you don't even know? Or your spouse or your children or your friends or your whomever are you willing to lay down your life not your breath right not your heartbeat but all the things that you think you're entitled to because of what they've done or the situation or who they are or what's been said no i'm entitled to that i can do that because 
I have the right to do it. Listen, do you know how many rights you have in life according to Scripture? You have the right to die in service of Jesus Christ. That's what you have the right to do. Mm-hmm. You know what we are, you know what we experience, you know, when we pass from death to life through faith in Jesus Christ, you know what freedom is the most important? It's the freedom from sin. That is the only freedom that God, that, that God like, uh, that, that the Scripture guarantees. The only, the only freedom that Scripture guarantees is a freedom from sin through faith in Jesus Christ and the indwelling of your Holy Spirit. If you're standing on the soapbox of, I have freedom, I have freedom, I can do what I want because I am free, and I live in the United States. Listen, you might live in the United States and we are afforded some civil freedoms, right? But before we are citizens of the United States, we are citizens of heaven, and that is a king. And the king of heaven is named Jesus. And Jesus said that we have freedom from sin, and that's about it. And so stand on the soapbox of your freedom from sin through faith in Jesus Christ and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit and nothing else. Stop making like the 20th thing in the priority list of life the first or second thing. We're not doing a service to Jesus at all. So in John chapter 3, verse 16... Um, This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. But what then happens? That's not the only part of the verse. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. What then becomes the natural response or exhortation to those of us who have life because God has selflessly given it to us through the sacrifice, atoning sacrifice of Jesus. The response of God's love poured out in our lives through the sacrifice of Jesus is is an equally pouring out of our love into the lives of others. Jesus Jesus Christ laid down his life. We ought to lay down our lives and love one another. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and our sisters. It goes on into verse... Um, uh, chapter eight, or verse 18. Dear children, let us not love with words or tongue, but with actions and in truth. Just like the love of God was demonstrated in action by the selfless giving of Jesus as the atoning sacrifice for our sins, John here goes on to continue to communicate that our love in response to that giving happens in kind of like the same dimension. It can't just happen with words or in thought. It must happen with action and in truth. That the way that we demonstrate love is through action. We can't We can't say that we are loving people. We must act as if love is the foundation upon which all other things flow out of our lives. With action and truth. Love is demonstrated and shown. I, as I was like... praying, reading, studying um, for today. I was reading in, uh, in 1 John 3. 
And I come across this like, I want to say concept or idea, I will call it truth, that's what it is, um, that I was not expecting to find, uh, but that I think is uh, appropriate uh, to talk about this morning. And it, it's uh, this. I'm going to back up into John chapter 3 a little bit more. Like we're in like the verse 13, 14 of John, or 1 John chapter 3. Sometimes, um, and I, I mean, I, maybe not even sometimes, maybe a lot of times, um, I'll have conversations with people as a, as a pastor, um, and some variation of this statement will come out, right? Pastor, um, I'm, just, I'm just not really sure that I am actually saved. I'm just, I'm not really sure that, um, that, that God, you know, like, or that, that Jesus has saved me. I don't, I think that like, you know, I'm, I'm doing my best to live by his word and um, I'm doing all the things that I think I should be doing but I, I kind of feel like God is kind of up there in heaven and like that I'm just kind of, he's still kind of not sure about me. Um, and I want to address that because it's not, it's not an uncommon thought and it's not an uncommon feeling, okay? Nor is it something that's particular to our culture um, here. Uh, right, like um, way back even in the the 18th century, right? There were theologians and like the the founder of like the Wesleyan Methodist movement, John Wesley, has all kinds of diaries, even journal entries about like struggling with an affirmation of his own faith, like like ask like just couldn't get to a place for a long period of his life where he. He had an internal affirmation that God, yes, had indeed, um, had indeed saved him through Jesus Christ, right? And it was a real struggle for him to be in ministry to others with this inner doubt of like, man, I just don't know if like I myself am saved. But John does address that. The scripture addresses it all over the place, having, um, having security in the, the work of Jesus Christ for me. okay. Uh, but John addresses it in this way. He addresses it in the concept or in the context of love. And he says this in verse 14. He says, We know, we know that we have passed from death to life because we love our brothers and sisters. Anyone who does, does not love remains in death. Uh, then, he, then he goes on um, in verse 19 and 20 in the same chapter, 1 John chapter 3, verse 19 and 20. He says, this then is how we, listen, how we, how we know. This is how we know that we belong to the truth 
and how we set our hearts at rest in His presence. Whenever our hearts condemn us, for God is greater than our hearts and He knows everything. How many of you would say that there, that there have been times maybe in your walk with Jesus where, where your heart has not been at rest in His presence? When you have felt like there is more there is in your relationship with God that there is more condemnation than there is like resting in the reality of His love for you. Like you feel condemned and you feel guilty and you feel ashamed and you feel not good enough, right? Yeah, like, like this, is a, this, is a, this is a real thing and John addresses it here. This then is how we know that we belong to the truth and how we are able to set our hearts at rest in His presence because whenever our hearts can, whenever our hearts condemn us, whenever our hearts are speaking shame, 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 condemnation, 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 condemnation. God is greater than even the voice of the heart when it is when it speaks shame and condemnation. But listen, um, our I want you to hear this. When you think about your own, think about your own life. Think about your own walk with Jesus. Think about your relationships. Okay? And ask yourself this question. Have there been moments and times where I, going back to the example of like maybe the, the waitress at the store or the person out in the, out in the, like the shopping mall or whatever, where you, you wanted to act in a certain way towards them, Rude, impatient, unkind, based on what they said or what they did or what the situation was. But you felt the immediate presence of the Holy Spirit within you to act completely out of the character of the world and into the character of the Spirit of God. And you were like, yeah, you know, I mean, I wanted to tell them off, but there was just something at work inside of me that moved me to a capacity to love in the way that like the like the scripture like exhorts me to love. I was I was patient in that moment and I really wanted to be impatient. I was unkind or I was kind and I really wanted to be rude. I really wanted to look out for myself. Like and it's almost like I got I kind of surprised myself in that moment. Like yeah, good good on you, right? Listen, that is not, right? That is not a coincidence. That is not you just being like, well, I, man, like I just, I tried really hard and I, I did it right for that, for that one time. And like, man, like, I don't, I don't know how I pulled myself together for that one. Like, listen, you didn't pull yourself together for that one. You you didn't, right? The Holy Spirit of God that resides in you by faith was on the megaphone of your heart saying this. This is exactly the evidence that you need to know that your heart can rest in the presence of my salvation for you. Because people who are dead, who have not moved from death to life, do not have the capacity at all 
to love others in a selfless way. They have the capacity only to love themselves. And this is exactly what John says in verse 14. We know, we know that we have passed from death to life because we love our brothers and sisters. It is our capacity to love our brothers and sisters and to give of ourselves selflessly in moments like that is evidence that God's love is true in us and working towards our complete and full sanctification on the day of God's return. And so if you are standing in a place where your heart is constantly condemning you and saying like, yeah, you might not be saved. Like you, you, I mean, like I don't think Jesus even loves you or you even have Jesus or anything like that. Let the truth of God's word speak truth into your heart in the moment. Like, are you growing in your capacity to love others in a selfless way? Yes, I am. I see, I'm seeing progress every day through the power of the Holy Spirit. Okay, guess what? You have moved from death to life through the power of God. You are alive to God and you are dead to sin. Let your hearts rest in His presence, as 1 John 4.19 says. Here's an incredible thing. A thing that should both like be that we should hold and handle with all kinds of like um I would say reverence, but not the type of reverence that makes us scared. The type of reverence that helps us to understand the tremendous opportunity and responsibility that we have, that type of reverence, is this. We say, we say things a lot like um, in Christianity, like in, Christian, in our Christian walk, um, you know, I've got an unsaved friend or i got some family members that you know, don't, know, don't know the Lord or unsaved co-workers, and you know, I just really want them to meet Jesus. And I just, I am praying and praying and praying that they would see Jesus. That they would have an encounter. That they would have an encounter with the Lord. That they would, they would just be, they would just be knocked over with the love of God in their life. That would be, like, that's my prayer. Boy, do I have good news for you. You are the answer to that prayer in their life. Right? When we, when we walk in the type of selfless love that God expressed to us, and then we love our brothers and sisters in the same way, you become the way in which another person experiences and sees the love of God. Our love for others is, I wouldn't, I said a primary way. Really in Scripture, it is the primary way that people see God. The primary way 
that others see God is the way that we love them and the way that we love others. First John chapter 4, starting at verse 11, we see this. Dear friends, since God has so loved us, we ought to love one another. No one, verse 12, no one has ever seen God. But, if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. Wait, wait, wait a second. What is John saying? Right? He's saying two things, right? No one has ever seen God. I just wish that they that my you know my loved one that they would just see God, that they would see Jesus. Well, no one has ever seen God. Okay. Right. But if we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is made complete or full or to the extraordinary measure in us. What are we saying here? Our love for others is how an unbelieving world sees God. They do not see God through our clever arguments. They do not see God through our, um, through our Facebook posts, right? They do not see God through our intellect. They do not see God through our charisma. Our love points people to God. You're like, well, that's, that's kind of a lot of responsibility. You're right. Yeah, it kind of is like a lot of responsibility, right? Uh-huh. It kind of, kind of is. Yeah. Yeah, because it is, right? When you, that's why I say, like, we hold it with reverence, not so much out of fear, because fear keeps us in a place of inaction, right? We hold it out of reverence from a place of, like, opportunity and responsibility. You mean, you mean like I actually do have, I, I have the opportunity for that loved one, that person that I'm like dealing with that's so difficult and is so hard for me to love and so hard for me to be, I have the opportunity to, to show them who God is through the way that I love them and the way that I love others, like what they see in my life. The way that I love others is going to be a reflection for them about who God is. Yes, that's exactly what we're saying. When others see you sacrificing your right to be impatient or unkind or rude or whatever, you demonstrate the selfless reality of God's love to them. Advent is a time where we come to recognize that God demonstrated His love in the giving of what was important to Him, right? The life of His Son, so that we may have life through the sacrifice of Jesus. 
Love, at its, most, at its most foundational and deep level, is, we can go back to this, um, we can go back to this definition, if you can bring it back up on screen for us, that the basis for God's love, or all of love in general, is both the willingness and the action to sacrifice what is important and special to you for the benefit and blessing of someone else. Love is selflessness in action. This is one of the things that Jesus has come to show us in life, that God has come to show us through the life of Jesus. Let's take a few moments to pray. Um, and uh, I'll have the worship team come back up during that moment. But, li- but listen, a little like theology of church structure here. Okay, because you know, like, we're conduit is not what you would, what anyone I think would consider a um, traditional or liturgical church. And what I mean by that is like you, you walk into some churches and they're gonna have a bulletin for you with an order of service, and that order is gonna be the same every single week. You're gonna sing a song here and prayer here and response here and hymn here, scripture here and message here and song here and benediction here and dismissal, right? And it's going to be the same structure every single week. And um, we often think, like, wow, well, I'm so glad we don't do that here. We're much more, we just flow with the Spirit. Uh, well, we actually do the same things every single week, pretty much in the same order every single week. We don't have a bulletin for you, but let's not pretend that it's a whole lot different. But listen, what I'm saying here, what I'm saying here is that the structure is, in te- it's, not, it's not just like, um, even in highly traditional churches or in not traditional churches like this one, it's not inconsequential to the whole. And so, when, when we spend a few moments in prayer after the reading and proclamation of God's Word, it's not a filler so that the band can transition up on stage while your eyes are closed like it's some kind of magic trick that they just appeared out of nowhere, right? It is intentional for us in the pursuit of saying, okay, Lord, we have just heard from Your Word. It has been proclaimed from the mouth of Your servant. Now, Lord, we are asking that You would gather that Word through the power of Your Holy Spirit and You would shove it so deep down into our soul that we can't escape it taking root in who we are. Lord, give us, give us space to respond. Give us the heart to respond. Speak into our lives. Alright? So, so don't tune out in the moment of responding to the Lord in prayer after the reading of God's Word. Because it's in those moments where we ask Him by faith to, to do the application work in us to start that process of it being like right here so as the band comes forward magically (laughs) right let's take a moment center our hearts and pray that god would um would do something in us with his word heavenly father We have heard from Your Word this morning. We have heard, Lord, 
about what it means to love. Lord, that love comes from You. Lord, help us to resist the temptation to allow the world to paint a different picture of what love is. That love is not about what I need or what I want or what I deserve or any rights that I have. But love that comes from You was exemplified in the way that You gave Jesus as a sacrifice so that we may have life. That's what Your Word says. Lord, I pray that as we are um, day in and day out learning to love others in the same way that You have loved us, that You would cancel any plan that the enemy has to speak condemnation into our hearts, to speak shame into our lives. But Lord, that our hearts may rest in the reality that our growing capacity to love others selflessly is the way in which You are demonstrating that we have, we have traveled from death to life in Jesus. That we are Yours, Lord. That You have made us sons and daughters of God. That we can, we can rest in Your presence as we see a growing capacity to love others even when maybe we don't want to. Lord, and we pray. We pray, Lord, that today, this very day, before the sun goes down on this day, Lord, that You would give us an opportunity to love someone else selflessly. That maybe, Lord, that Your Holy Spirit would stop us in the moment of a fleshly response so that the Spirit of God can come alive through our words, our actions towards that person, and that we can demonstrate for them the love of God. That they may see You in us. Lord, to Your glory, to Your honor, to Your name, to Your renown, Lord. For us, Lord, to live is Jesus Christ and to die is gain. For Your sake, Lord, we will, we will have lost all things that we might gain Christ and be found in Him. Lord, that all things would be stripped away for the glory of Your name. Lord, root this in our hearts and in our souls this morning. In Jesus' name, Amen. To Him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you before His glorious presence without finding fault and with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, be the glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ, our Lord, before all ages, now and forever. Amen. Kondo, you are loved. Have a great week.